This is a story of sorts, the podcast mostly about bookish stuff, and I am your host, Karina Pereira. Hello everyone! On this episode, I chat with Nick Johnson about the genesis, the present, and the future of Libra FM. Have a listen. Nick, welcome to A Story of Sorts. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Tell us about yourself and about your role at Libra FM. So my name is Nick Johnson. I am the creative director here at Libro FM, and I kind of help I float around the team with basically anything visual or branding or uh, front-end development. So I, I work with the marketing team on our campaigns, the product team on the actual products, and the dev team on implementing um, a lot of the technology. And for those who do not know, which if they listen to this podcast, they will know because I talk <laughs> about LibreFM a lot. Uh, but for those who do not know, what is LibreFM? Sure. So Libra FM Audiobooks, we are a company that basically allows customers to support their favorite independent bookstore while listening to digital audiobooks. That's it in a nutshell. We give uh, local bookstores and independent bookstores the ability to compete with some of the big boys like Amazon's Audible and whatnot when selling digital audiobooks. And what is the genesis of Libra FM? How did it all start? So Libro started, I guess the idea started about nine years ago, and my CEO, Mark Pearson, he's in publishing, he had published a number of uh, pretty successful books, and he was having his authors go on their book tours and, you know, hop from bookstore to bookstore, and he also at the same time saw the rise in audiobooks and wanted to produce audiobooks, specifically so, since some of his books were business-oriented and audiobooks work really, really well in the business field. However, he couldn't have his authors promote the audiobook in the bookstore because the audiobook was more or less only available through Amazon. And he didn't want to do that to the bookstore. He didn't want to promote their biggest competitor. And it was a kind of an aha moment where he saw this growth in audiobooks and this lack of independent bookstores being able to participate in that. Um, and so that was the genesis of the idea. That is really interesting because I, I work at an indie bookstore and sometimes you know that there are certain books that you really just can get through Amazon and it's so frustrating to kind of have to guide your clients to listen this is only available through Amazon so you're gonna have to buy through there. Exactly. It's really frustrating so it's basically just picked up something that was uh, not not so nice and he, he turned yeah, it, it around. A, a gap and, and you know he he's always been a huge supporter of independent bookstores and his authors too obviously you know Pretty much every author I know loves independent bookstores. And so the last thing they want to do is promote, you know, Amazon while in an independent bookstore. So, of course. Um, yeah, so it was, it was really kind of born out of seeing that gap in the market and then also loving independent bookstores and wanting to support them in any way you could. Yeah, and it's really interesting because you're talking about that situation with nonfiction books and business books. I cannot read nonfiction books. I just get distracted. Uh -huh, so uh -huh. for me, I listened, when I started listening to audiobooks at the time, there was only Audible, of course. And of course. I listened to a lot of nonfiction books through mm -hmm. Amazon uh, and now through Libro because it was yeah. the only way I could uh, read them. Actually, exactly. And a lot of people with ADHD that, I can't, that can't focus on reading, they just uh, really just go to audiobooks. And it's really nice to be able to support an indie bookstore. The genesis for the idea came with, you know, nonfiction books, but it's really a great way to enjoy any book um, and, and more books. And, you know, we're not just audiobooks. We don't think everyone should just listen to audiobooks. Obviously, <laughs> that's our product. But we're just a big fan of books in general, regardless of how you consume it, whether you read a print book. In fact, I was up till uh, midnight last night finishing a print book that was so good. Uh, Blacktop Wasteland, might as well say. Yeah, say I was going to ask. I, I didn't want, want to, just, to interrupt like, you. Yeah, but... I don't want to hint at it and not say it. Uh, Blacktop Wasteland, absolutely fantastic. Um, kept me up way too late. But we love the idea of people just supporting bookstores and, and reading books, whether it's a print book, whether it's an ebook, whether it's an audiobook. And it's a great way for some people with disabilities or who just can't focus on reading a print book. It's a great way to consume some more books. It's a great way for just anyone, you know, no matter what they're doing, gardening or I have a classic car. So I'm actually will have audiobooks on while I'm working on my car, which is kind of weird, but I enjoy it. Yeah, it's really fun to just be able to put on 
to put in the reading while you're doing something else and kind exactly. of sometimes even distracting you from one thing or the other because nobody likes yeah exactly yeah. nobody likes doing chores but with an audiobook it's another reason to listen to the audiobook <laughs> exactly my wife my wife likes audiobooks because i do the dishes a lot more now because <laughs> oh. i'm like oh i'll do the dishes i don't care if we had a huge party and there's a ton of dishes i have a really good book right now so i'll take care of it i want to finish that no but it exactly. is true i find myself doing chores because i want to finish a story and i know mm -hmm. that if i just sit down and listen i will get distracted very easily and it's yeah. also a great way to Pick new hobbies you just find yeah. like a new hobby and and you just take the time and like you take two hours for the new hobby and it's two hours in an audiobook it's great exactly and we my i have two daughters and it's a great way to get them to clean their rooms is you know it's like hey you need a clean room but i also got you a great new book and you know it's a way <laughs> to kind of distract from it what kind of things do they read if i may ask so my uh, my younger daughter she's 10 she is uh addicted to the wings of fire series all you know what i think there's 14 of those books now and she has listened to and or read every single one of them multiple times um, and she's she tends to do that she gets addicted to a series it was harry potter for quite a while and um and she'll just listen to it over and over and over again so she's listening to that my older daughter she's 13 she listens to or reads actually um a little bit of everything um she's she reads at a pretty high level so she kind of anywhere from young middle reader to, you know, YA sort of stuff, a lot of fantasy, things of that nature. It's really cool because I, I had other people um, in the show also talking about like how audiobooks sometimes can be really a family thing in which yeah. you're sharing the audiobook and sharing the story and talking about it through because you're all listening to something or different things and you're sharing. Totally. We, we listen a lot in car rides, long car rides. Some of our uh, family lives close, but not very close. You know, it's like, it's far enough close to the usa right in europe would be super far <laughs> yeah for us it, for us it'd be you know it's like a three four hour drive that's and far we, for us <laughs> see that's it's, it's still a ways uh but for you know when they were especially when they were younger we listened to an audiobook together now as the tastes have diverged a little bit you know we don't generally listen as a group of four um, but quite often I'll listen to the same book that my daughter will be like she'll mention something she liked and then I'll listen to it so we can talk about it or vice versa, I'll listen to something and tell her, you know, hey, I think you'd love this because I listen to some um, YA and stuff myself and then she'll listen to it and then we'll talk about it. So it's really fun. What was Libre FM's original team? Do you know about it? Has it changed a lot throughout the years? Not, no, not a lot. So the original team, uh, so Mark, uh, my CEO, he's the one who had the kind of original idea. And then he um, call a couple friends to a bar actually uh, that is in the bottom of a bookshop in Seattle. It's wow. the bar at Third Place Books in Ravenna and kind of presented the idea to uh, a few friends. I was not at that meeting. The, the kind of gist of it is a bunch of us went to college together and lived in college together and we'd have ideas for different businesses. We all had complementary skills and we we're like, hey, we should start a business together. There was never a business that we couldn't tear apart you know like someone would come with the idea and we'd be like oh that's good and then we'd tear it apart and it wouldn't go anywhere this was kind of the first idea that we couldn't tear apart it was just a really really good idea and so um mark our cto carl and then yao they started the company i joined pretty quickly thereafter and then yao moved on so carl mark and i were kind of the co-founders if you will and we're still the the lead of the team right now and we've slowly grown and grown and grown and grown and we're a little over 20 people now and you know most of it's kind of the core team that's just slowly been added and added and how did y'all come up with a name for the app because libro uh, i'm portuguese so it uh -huh. is latin roots and libro means yep. book of course <laughs> was that you it you got it you got it that's it yeah it was the, the latin root of book um fm was the idea of fm radio uh, radio waves and, and whatnot and it's short, seven letters and all that. So yeah, you, you nailed it right there. So you just went for Libro.fm because it's a little bit of book, but also the radio that gives the idea of the audio. Yes, that's exactly it's it. And you know, we when we first started the company, we weren't quite sure what the actual product would look like, but we knew it would be audio. We didn't know if it'd be streaming, we didn't know what, but we knew it'd be audio. So that's where the, the FM that's came from. Really cool. Um, and what was the creation process and how long did it take? Like from, you know, from having this idea to then yeah. put into work? Well, I think we just celebrated our eighth 
anniversary um, half a year ago or four or five months ago. Um, and it's really been kind of a slow, steady, I don't want to call it slog because it's been more enjoyable than that. <laughs> but um, that was kind of the approach we took when we started the company is we always said it was a marathon, not a sprint. Uh, we wanted to slowly and methodically and strategically grow the company. We were allowed to do that because we funded the company ourselves. Um, so that was really, it, it forced us to go slow because we didn't have an absurd amount of money to throw at everything. But at the same time, it also let us keep complete control of the company and really stick to our values and, and supporting bookstores where if we had a bunch of outside investors, we might not have that same level of control. <laughs> it probably took us three years before we actually had an official product, before the first bookstore was able to sell an audiobook through us. And that three years, obviously we're building the technology, but really what we were doing is we were building relationships. We were going and meeting with bookstores. We had, um, you know, we kind of targeted the 10 to 15 most successful, most influential independent bookstores in the country and went and got to know them and asked them, hey, what would you like to see? We have this idea for building this product, you know, what would work for your workflow and your business? I remember um, we went to a conference, the American Booksellers Association conference, um, and no one knew who we are. We're a couple of young guys and they had never heard of us. And we had, I think, five different concepts on what Libro FM could look like, what the product could look like. And we met with all these bookstores and we walked them through the five different concepts. And universally, every store picked, I don't concept number three. You know, I, I forget what number it was, but everyone kind of gravitated towards this one concept. Concept, and then that's what we built. So Libro and the, the the way we built it and the product and all that is really directly from what the bookstores asked for and what would work with their kind of existing technologies and approach and so on and so forth. So yeah, okay. like I said, that was five years ago or so that the first store signed up with us, and we're just short of two thousand stores now. I think thereabouts. Well. Yeah, that's a that's a lot. <laughs> and how has been the development? Um, how has been the growth uh, up to the current day? <laughs> I would say slow and steady, but that's not quite true. It, it was very slow at the beginning, and it's kind of exponentially grown and grown and grown as we've gotten momentum, as more people have heard of us, as our product has gotten better. We had pretty explosive growth in 2020, uh, which was very, it was great, but it was very weird. Because Pandemic, maybe? Well, definitely 100% pandemic. Um, well, actually not just pandemic, but it was 2020 was really interesting uh, because it was such a difficult year for so many people and for so many businesses. And for us, it was the exact opposite. The pandemic gave more people time to listen to audiobooks. It unfortunately closed a lot of bookstores or at least forced them to close temporarily. So they started selling a lot more digitally and digital audiobooks. So it's bad for them, but good for us. Mm -hmm. um, and then here in the States and in other places, there was a lot of uh, racial reckoning, um, you know, around the murder of George Floyd and other such things. And a lot of people wanted to educate themselves on issues surrounding race and diversity and equity. And a lot of the physical books were sold out. So people started buying yeah. the audiobooks. So it was this really interesting situation for us where there's a lot of terrible things happening around us and we were benefiting from it. Uh, which put us in an odd position because obviously we're happy to you know be successful but we don't want to be successful at the detriment of other people um but i think we did a really good job as, as a business of turning around that success and doing a lot of really positives with it we donated a lot of money we hired out of work booksellers um we became a social purpose corporation which means that it's kind of like a hybrid between a nonprofit and a for-profit where mm -hmm. we're a for-profit company, but we can make decisions that might not necessarily help our bottom line, uh, very similar to a B Corp, if you've heard of that. And um, so, yeah, it, 2020 was weird because we had the slow and steady growth that I was talking about, and then it just went crazy during 2020. And now it's kind of leveled off and it's, it's back to a kind of a slow, steady pace again, which is in some ways really nice. <laughs> But it's, uh, yeah, it's curious what you said about like people that the books weren't there, of course, the physical copies, yeah. and especially uh, last year, I think was also a lot of trouble with paper and uh -huh. all kinds of supplies, and the but holidays also paper and, being delivered. and with digital yeah. that, I mean, you can just get the book immediately exactly. uh, online. 
Well, and that's always the case. And, you know, bookstores know that if someone comes in and they want a book and the book's not available, they could immediately say, oh, well, the audiobook's available and you can have that right now. And that's yeah. always the case, which is really great for us. It was just especially prevalent during yeah. that time. And like you said, when there were supply chain issues, shipment issues, paper shortages, and so on and so forth. So again, it was good for us, though we felt bad that we were, you know, succeeding where other people were, were really suffering. But that's, I think it's also nice that uh, indie bookstores were able to offer um, a solution that would yeah. still help them rather than, oh, okay, then someone else, the person would say, I'll just get it from Amazon or whoever, whatever yeah. website has it. Like, at least, okay, if you want to support us, we don't have that book, but LibreFM has and they support us. Yeah. And, and you know, that, that was one thing that really helped us is knowing that what we were doing, you know, I, I'm not going to say that we kept the books are open just because we helped, we had this, but every little bit of help we can provide, yeah. you know, we felt good to do that. And bookstores show their love for us. They, they, they always do, but they were so happy and thankful. And that just, you know, made, made it, it, it tamped down that guilt a little bit by just okay. how much they were supportive of us. I would also like to talk about the, some of the programs that you have, because sure. again, I usually talk at the end of the podcast about the advanced listening copies program that yes. I am a part of. Yes. Um, and I've always had like my experience with, the marketing team or the people talking to to the customer team at yeah. Libre FM is so, always so flawless. Like I also <laughs> have like um, um, a, a list. Uh, oh, I forgot to name like a, uh, to listen to the books that have been recommended. I forgot oh, yeah, the yeah, name. A like playlist, a, a playlist. Yeah, a playlist. Thank you yeah, so like much. Forgot the word. <laughs> but I, I was also like uh, sent a mail. Oh, if you want to do like a playlist for your podcast, we have that available. And yeah. I always encounter such nice people when i when i talk like to customer service it's it's really wonderful and yeah, they're um, rock stars. and i'm that's why i'm always also recommending libra fm because of that i mean everything seems to to work so well also <laughs> in that sense but um i would really like to talk about the programs and yeah, we can start with we can start with the advanced listening um copy sure. program if you'd like to talk mm -hmm. about it yeah so the advanced listening copy program or alc program is very similar to a um um, advanced reader copy or galley copy that a lot of booksellers are probably familiar with. And it's a, a copy of the book that comes out before its actual release date so booksellers can get familiar with it, read it ahead of time and promote it to the customers, hopefully drive pre-sale and pre-orders, which is really, really important to the publishers and the authors and so on and so forth. So ALCs are basically that same sort of thing. We try to give as much early access to people as we can so they can be more familiar with the book and hopefully drive sales of not only the audiobook but also the print book and the ebook and so on and so forth. It allows booksellers and whatnot to get more, um, basically consume more books and be familiar with more books to talk to their customers. Now, unlike ARC copies or advanced reading copies, we can't really put them out that early because the audiobook is always the last thing created. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of booksellers like, oh, we want it sooner and sooner. And, we're like, we want to give it to you sooner and sooner. We just can't. We are yeah. beholden to the publisher's schedule. Um, but our ALC program is available to any bookseller. Um, so, you know, as long as you work at a bookstore, you can get access to our ALC program. And it's about, uh, usually floats to be about 50 books a month that you have access to. And we don't expect you to listen to all of them, but, you know, hopefully you'll find something on the list that you like. We also have the ALC program for educators. So if you work at a K through 12 school and have a K through 12 email address, you can get access to educator ALCs. That's a smaller list. It tends to be between five and 10 titles a month um, that are really geared towards education. We have a library educator list or librarian list, um, which is another larger list, about 50 books. And that's a way for librarians to consume more books and be able to promote more books um, in the library. Now, obviously, that's not as much of a revenue generator as, you know, booksellers promoting books, but we just love librarians and we love libraries and we think that there's a really, really important place in our society for libraries. And even though, you know, you could consider a library kind of a competitor to us because we obviously rather people buy an audiobook from us, um, not everyone's in that situation and libraries kind of fill that void and it's a fantastic thing. And then we also have an influencer ALC list. And these are for people who have a social media presence and they talk about books and have podcasts and so on and so forth. 
And that usually has a pretty select group of um, books on it each month, around eight to 10 or so. And for that one, we we give a lot more information, assets to be able to share it, who's the, you know, the author's Instagram high, uh, handle, the publisher's handle, all that sort of stuff. And that influencer program is a little harder to get into. There's some kind of some levels you have to meet to be able to um, do that. But you can apply on our website. It's a pretty great program. Yeah, and usually there, I mean, that uh, specific program, because I write for Book Riot, so mm -hmm. I was approached because I wrote a, a post about audiobooks, and mm -hmm. um, yeah, and it's usually the titles are really good. It's very mm -hmm. complicated sometimes to, because you don't have to download everything, of course, you can download yeah. the ones that you like. And yeah, some months is like, I just want them all. Which is great, but uh, the, the choices are, I know I'm not going to have time to listen to everything, but the choices are so good. Um, yeah. yeah, it's really nice. RT puts a lot of effort um, into all the ALC lists, but especially the influencer one. Uh, we work closely with the publishers. They nominate the titles that they really want to get out there. And then we will select, you know, through all those different nominations, we'll select the eight to 10 finalists. And we have kind of some uh, internal metrics to, you know, on what we choose, you know, what our team's excited about, what we think will, you know, be good to put out there. Um, we have some self-imposed restrictions where we want to make sure at least half of our books are BIPOC, uh, BIPOC, BIPOC authors and whatnot, and show a lot of diversity. And so, you know, we, we really try to curate that list so it's a good balance of everything. Yeah, I was going to say it's usually very diverse. So uh, we try. Like if, we really do try. Yeah, when people try to read more diverse, I know that uh, in that those lists I will find quite diverse uh, books. So I don't really have to worry and go check mm -hmm. like what am I reading per se, um, in terms of authors because yeah, it is usually quite diverse. We you know in twenty twenty when there was all these issues around um, diversity and equity and inclusion, we really set some goals for ourselves, which are public. We put them out um, on our, our website and our blog about adding more diversity to what we're doing as a company. And so we have a standard, if there's any list of books that we're gonna promote, uh, be it a playlist, be it a campaign, like our horoscope campaign that um, uh, I know you've seen, or our ALC list, um, at least 50% of it has to be BIPOC authors. Yeah. Um, and that's that's something that we impose on ourselves because we think it's important and we think um, they're traditionally have been very underrepresented in the publishing and the book world. And so we're, we're trying to do our our small part to remedy that if we can. For sure. And there is like maybe, you know, like 40 years ago, uh, publishing wise, there wouldn't be enough. Uh, mm -hmm. by book authors published yeah. or or at least that you know didn't get as much attention but nowadays there's no reason not to include Definitely. diversity because there is in, not enough yet not but there enough, is quite a lot so there there is enough good content you yeah. know there's enough really good books um it doesn't mean it, it's sometimes hard to get those lists to be 50 percent for sure um and that's where it really comes down to the publishers green lighting more books by by mm -hmm. BIPOC and minority authors and whatnot. And the publishers are definitely making strides towards that. Um, they, they've gotten better. Hopefully they continue to get better. They're definitely talking the talk and they seem to be, you know, walking the walk and hopefully it'll, it'll improve and keep improving and make our job easier, which is great. Yeah, for sure. Um, what about for readers? Like what uh, programs and perks are you offering? Because I know you have like the bookseller curated playlists, audiobook horoscopes, yes. et cetera. Yeah, so so readers, so the ALC list is really specific to those um, audiences that I met, just mentioned. Um, for just anyone, for general readers and listeners and whatnot, we do have our, have our playlists, which you um, you mentioned. Mm -hmm. Playlists are just curated lists of audiobooks, um, and they are created by all sorts of people, mainly booksellers um, or influencers, and so on. And what we think is really cool about that is no one knows books better than booksellers. And so if we can promote, you know, the booksellers playlists and say, hey, if you want to know a great children's book, well, there's this great children's bookstore in Austin, Texas that has this playlist of here's 35 titles for your middle reader or whatnot. So we really, really try to have these really heavily curated and, and well curated lists like I said, mostly from booksellers. We obviously create a lot of them ourselves. Another thing that we do are um, bookseller recommendations. So we have a lot of recommendations on our sites. 
uh, on our site, but every recommendation comes from an actual bookseller. It's not an algorithm that's just spitting out some book based off of other people's purchases. It's saying, hey, you like Bluebird books, and this is Tim at Bluebird Books, and this is a book that he recommends. And what's really cool about the site is if you're associated with a specific bookstore and anyone from that bookstore has made a recommendation, it'll you know, serve that recommendation to you right at the um, on the homepage and whatnot, which is really, really cool. And then we do a ton of other campaigns just throughout the year. The one you just mentioned are um, audiobooks by Horoscope or yes. Astrological Sign. That's one that just came out a week or two ago. And it basically says, you know, hey, are, are you a Virgo? Here's three books that you might enjoy as a Virgo. And actually, I think lists a lot bigger than that. But we yeah, I think highlight so. three books. I think it shows the first three books, but then you can like you can expand it and dive into more. it. Yeah, exactly. And so we do a lot of kind of fun campaigns like that throughout the year, listening challenges. And um, we did another like tarot card themed one a couple months ago um, about the most anticipated audiobooks that are coming up in the spring, which was a fun one. What's really neat about those campaigns is a lot of them just originate from our team, uh, you know, coming up with ideas. But the horoscope one specifically actually came from outside the company. It was oh. uh, Christina. She's a former bookseller and she now um, has runs a monthly newsletter called Trove Books. She, I believe, I, I, I might be wrong here, but I believe she reached out to us and said, hey, it'd be really cool to do a horoscope based sort of campaign and I'd be glad to help you with it. And so we you know, brought her in and she was kind of the, the lead creator of that campaign. And that was really cool because it was basically a bookseller coming to us saying, hey, we should do this. And we're like, yeah, love it. That's awesome. It's really fun. Like I, I actually uh, stumbled upon it and then I looked at my sign and I was like, wow, this is this is the type <laughs> of books that I would expect good. to be there. And then I shared it on Instagram and other people also commented like, this is very accurate, but yeah. it's also so much fun to, to of course, not, not everybody um, uh, resembles their star sign, um, but uh, it was really fun to just see people's reactions and then to go read about the, the uh, which yeah. books are in there. It's just well, a fun thing. I mean, it's not, you don't have to believe in anything but just to okay let's it's check different what are the books for my sign <laughs> when i when one of um when it was kind of uh pitched when the marketing team i've talked to christina was like hey we should do this one of my co-workers was like what astrological sign that sounds ridiculous it, it was just not his cup of tea but we're like oh let's try it anyway sounds like fun and then when i was um, working on it at one point i was working on the graphics at home and my 13 year old walked by and kind of saw and she got super excited for it. She wanted yeah. like a sneak peek to see what her sign was and all that sort of stuff. So it's funny, like some people, uh, some people shiver into it, some people aren't, but it, it's fun. And, you know, uh, it for seems sure. like people like it. So I'm happy about it. Yeah, I think I'm it's also, a, a great job. I'm not drawn to star signs. Like, I don't think any of that is uh, kind of, you know, uh, guiding yeah. me. But every time I see something with my star sign, I want to check just to, yes, okay, let's see, let's see this because it's fun. It's just for fun. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And I had never seen anything like that before. So it was really funny. That was fun. What about uh, the Libre FM clubs? Because you also have clubs. Yes. Yeah. So we have uh, three clubs and club is kind of a loose definition where club implies you have to be a member, uh, but you don't. It, it, club for us works more as a collection. And basically there um, are three clubs where we put out a small list of monthly books in one of three different categories. We have our kids club, which is just romance books. We have our kids club, and then we have our YA club. And these are books that we, um, working with the publishers, we offer for a month at a heavily discounted price. So I think both the kids and YA club, all the audiobooks are under $10. And the kids club, I think they're all under $5, maybe even four. But it's basically like, hey, you like kids books or you like romance books? Here's some value price sale books for the month that you might enjoy. And, you know, that's really it. There's no, um, like I said, it's not a membership where you have to join anything to be in it. You don't have to buy a certain amount per month. You just pop in it. You get an email every month that shows you the 10 or so books that are available. And if you like one or two or 10 of them, you just you know, buy them. So that's a that's a cool little way to kind of feature some specific genres and We've talked about maybe expanding that to some other genres too and whatnot. So it's it's pretty fun. It's also nice uh, because sometimes a subscription can be a bit more expensive uh, to mm -hmm. some people. Oh, yeah. So it's a great way to to find sales in a sense. <laughs> totally. Oh yeah, it's it's great. It's always fun. And there's some really 
great books on there. They're not, you know, generally they're not going to be the new releases and whatnot, but it might be a, uh, it might be a good backlist title that was really popular and maybe you never got around to or whatnot, but when it's, you know, $4, why not? Oh yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. And how does the subscription process work? Yeah, so we do have a subscription process. It's, it's completely independent of the clubs and all that sort of stuff. But basically the way that you can interact with Libra as a customer is you can buy just, um, we call it a la carte. You can just buy a book whenever you want. Um, there's you know no restriction. If you want a book, you buy it. You buy it for the list price, so on and so forth. And that works for a lot of people. People want flexibility. You only listen to the occasional audio book and so on and so forth. Um, the other option is the membership, which is a subscription, costs $15 uh, US, $15 a month. And with that, you basically get one book a month. When, when we, you get a credit that you can then redeem on any book in the system. Um, that makes the most sense if you are going to listen to more than one audiobook a month. That's going to be your best option. It's going to save mm -hmm. you money and so on and so forth. And so that's what we encourage most people to do. And it's ongoing support of your favorite local independent bookstore. So you know that every month, a portion of that monthly payment is going straight to that bookstore. So you kind of get that warm, fuzzy feeling. Um, what's nice about it is it's not like a, a gym or whatnot, where if you don't go, you lose the money. Uh, for this, you get that credit. And if you use it that month, great. If you don't, then it just it's ready for you the next month and the next month and so on and so forth. So if you, let's say, are super busy and you don't listen to an audiobook for six months, well, next time you go in there, you're going to have six credits waiting for you. You can download six bucks and or you could gift them to friends or family or whatever. So it's it's nice because they never expire, which is handy. And soon, the not too distant future, we're going to actually have some different monthly levels. So if you want two books a month or if you want only one book every other month or whatnot, we're going to have a little bit more flexibility um, probably by the end of the summer, which will be great. Cool. And is there any idea for the future to make it maybe make something like uh that's one of the the few i know like script that people have like they pay let's say ten dollars a month and they have like access to an array of books because some apps are doing that that's that's yeah. just just kind of yeah um i can say uh pretty pretty confidently i can say no okay. we're not going to do that um <laughs> there there are reasons financially where that model unless you have a lot of investor money behind you and you're willing to lose money for a long time um that financial model doesn't really work but also one of the things we don't like about that approach is it devalues the book it, you know if you're spending 9.99 a month and you get all these books okay what's the author getting what's yeah. the publisher getting you know we we do think books have value and should have value and you know, we even have a, a hard time offering, uh, you know, $15 because we think some books are, they're worth more than $15. Oh, um, sure. We, yeah, we have to hit that price because Amazon's our competitor. We kind of got to match them. But at the same time, they keep going lower and lower because they can. And we have a real issue with that just from a phil philosophical standpoint. So, yeah, I don't think we're ever going to have that sort of unlimited um, option mainly because we just don't want to devalue books and we think authors and publishers and everyone along the whole supply chain deserves to make a decent living off it and it must be also complicated to do that with indie bookstores because yeah you're supporting an indie bookstore of course yeah. so the whatever profit is uh, for them so yeah the, the less the less the customer buys the less their local bookstore gets the less the publisher gets the less the author gets you know and, and it goes on and on and some companies uh you know, are fine with that approach, but we're not. So yeah. um, I'll, get, I'll get off my soapbox now. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I mean, it's totally fine. I'm just kind of like, you know, comparing question. comparing yeah. other um, apps that exist and that are different, of course, in Libre FM, um, and, and figuring out uh, what's about to happen or what could or could totally. not happen and why. Um, my, for my suggestion would be for anyone who wants an unlimited access to books and and audiobooks and whatnot is to go to their library, pay the occasional late fee, you have unlimited books there and you're supporting your library and you're supporting your community. Um, so that that would be my suggestion. Oh yeah, because in the United States you also have uh, Libby, which was the old Overdrive. Yeah, so you overdrive. can just, uh, of course, mm -hmm. you can just um, just. And Libby, write, they, yeah, they do a great job. Oral. You know, they're it's awesome what they're doing with the library. So yeah, we suggest. In fact, I think we just put out. Maybe actually, it's coming out. Um, I don't know if I'm supposed to say this 
I'll, I'll go ahead and say it. It'll be a little teaser. In the next week or so, we have an article coming out that is a, a list of alternatives to Amazon-owned companies. So if you're looking to listen to an audiobook, listen to buy a print book, you're listening to distribute and get produced an audiobook, you're listening to track your book, you know, reading like you know, on Goodreads sort of whatnot. We have a whole article that is listing alternatives to Amazon-owned companies that you can do that. And Libby is one of the ones we promote because we think they're doing an amazing job with uh, libraries and such. That's really cool because the episode is going to come out when that is already out. Because okay, I, 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 I do <laughs> the interviews quite uh, early on so that I have time to edit them. So this Perfect. is going to come out like on the second half of the year. But uh, I will... I will keep an eye out on that. I follow Libra, of course, on um, on Instagram because that's really cool. Because sometimes yeah, people cool. don't know about the alternatives. I go to like sometimes I'm searching for something and I end up in a forum and there are so yes. many people just talking about oh I don't really want to do this with Amazon, but what's the option? And there are options. There are options. They're so, great. Yeah, yeah. And, and we were never able to find a good comprehensive list, uh, so we made one ourselves. And it's. I'm, I'm really proud of the, the marketing team that wrote it because it's not bashing Amazon. You, you read the article and it's not bashing and it's not trying to make anyone feel bad about supporting no, Amazon. Course. I mean, I, I ordered something off Amazon last week. So I, you I don't know, I'm not... think anyone is trying to support Amazon. I think people are just like trying to support themselves in any way because so many exactly. people buy from Amazon because sometimes books are cheaper there. Yeah. It's never about like, I, I'm, I'm certain that if they could, they would just support their indie, but sometimes it's not possible. So it's always about the personal um, availability. Exactly. And what we found is that Sometimes you don't know a company supported by or owned by Amazon. A lot of people don't realize Audible is an Amazon company mm -hmm. still. Um, but also sometimes it's just there are options that are just as convenient. You're just not aware of them. Of and course, so yeah, we can, yeah. And I think Libro falls in that category. Most people, when they discover Libro, they they love what we're doing. It's just as good as Audible. It's got all the same books. It's the same price and all that. They just didn't know about us because we don't have a zillion dollars to permit, you know, put a Super Bowl ad together and all that. Of course. <laughs> um, and we think there's a lot of companies that fall into that camp where once people know they're there, they like to support. Oh, for sure. I actually had a conversation still this week with someone who was talking to me about audiobooks. And mm -hmm. I told them, and she said, oh, I, yeah, I have a, like a bit of trouble because uh, I didn't want to support Amazon. And I told them, but th there's an alternative. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and they exactly. did not know. And there are people who actually like to listen to audiobooks. But sometimes, of course, there are things that are so much easier to find that you just go there uh, yeah. and you don't know there are alternatives obviously but yeah that exactly. list is great then Looking yeah it should be really cool I'm, I'm excited for it I think great. It'll be great and do you have any idea I actually talked about this uh, in an email already with um, with the contact contact that I have at LibreFM do you have any idea when LibreFM will be available in Europe in the same way that it is in the US because right now there yes. are some differences in the way we can purchase books but also like for example I'm in Europe and I always put the links for people to get like a free book or two free books with, with yeah. some affiliate links but only yeah. people in the US and Canada can use it so <laughs> what, what um remind me when do you expect this episode to go live roughly? probably maybe August or around that so it's going to be it's gonna be a long time. <laughs> so um, it, let's let's assume this is coming out like let's say mid August. I yeah. would say, hopefully in the next couple of weeks. Okay. <laughs> so uh, yeah, so um, we are we are targeting the, this year 2020, uh, 2022 for sure. Hopefully the fall. So maybe September. You know, it's always tough with tech timelines because no, things always course. get shifted around. But um, I believe the last update I saw was shooting around the September timeline where we'd be available internationally in your local currency and the full service, the full product offering of Libra. Also within the bookstores in Europe. Also or, with independent oh, bookstores. Oh, that's so good. Europe. Yeah, because we've been, like uh, like I said, I work at an indie bookstore. I actually uh, talked with my uh, bosses about mm -hmm. Libra FM, and they eventually enrolled also in the, um, oh. the ALC program. And yeah, we kind of been waiting for it to, uh, to just be able to, because I have to choose an indie yeah. bookstore in the US. So I went yeah. to actually ask people that I know in the US, which ones would you recommend? 
recommend. But yeah. uh, it's also so cool to just be able to support the ones in here. Of course. Uh, that we have. That's so nice. So, yeah, we're really excited news. about that. Um, it, that makes me wonder, though, what store did you end up choosing in the States? I don't know anymore. I because I, I chose it already like a few uh a few like a few years ago and oh, I can't keep the same, but I know it was like a feminist black owned uh in the bookstore. Cool. That I am sure because I remember at the time they did give me diverse Period. options. Periods? I don't know. I honestly I I feel so bad now. I should have prepared this, but <laughs> I really don't know because now um yeah, um now it's like I don't have to choose anymore, so I never checked it again. But I know oh, that cool. I chose with intent because I couldn't choose any here, that's so awesome. uh, I just just went to search for. And uh, I love so how uh, I love that that term "choose with intent." I think that's fantastic. Yeah, no, of course. I mean, if we can support someone, then you it's better if you don't choose at random in this situation. Okay. You want to support people who need and who do the this with, you know, with love. And uh, my, my wife and I always have we have this term uh, vote with our money um, yeah. where when we are whatever, choosing what movie to go watch, what dinner to eat, where to buy groceries from or whatnot, um, that we always want to choose with our money. Um, we recognize that we have that ability. Not everyone yeah, has the course. ability to choose, you know, and, and we completely understand that. But for us, we do have the ability. And so we try to, I guess, spend with intent would be would be another way to say it. Yeah, no, of course. I mean, if you if you have again, it's also it's always about availability and what yeah. people can do. But if you do have that, it's just, uh, you know, so important to to do that, to just yeah. choose who you are supporting and what you are supporting for sure. Yeah. Um, so, but that, that's, that's why I was also asking about it because I thought it's just so cool. Um, yeah. especially because I did get a credit card because of Libre FM <laughs> because <laughs> I wanted to buy an audiobook and I didn't have a credit card at the time because I moved countries. Uh -huh. And then I was like, you know what? I'm just going to get a credit card. I'll probably need it again <laughs> for a trip or something, even though something it was a pandemic. So I got a credit card for that. Um, and then that's why I was also wanted to ask that question for people who do not have credit cards and uh, stuff. Well, another thing, actually, this this will be live by the time this episode comes out, but we are um, in the middle of changing our payment processing system and moving over to PayPal, which will be really, really beneficial for yeah. uh, international customers and so on and so forth, because you'll be able to just pay with a PayPal account. So for that'll sure. simplify things too. So that, that actually will be happening probably in the next couple of weeks based off when we're actually recording this. So yes, so, yeah. <laughs> no, but that's great because I do think that some people haven't um, made the switch due to that yeah. because of, of some, course, yeah. you know, small things that uh, that in Europe are not as easy. So it's great to know that it's just going to be completely available and everybody will be able to to use it. Um, well, and one of the things we've realized, even just getting people to switch from Amazon to Libros, most people love the idea, um, but they're busy. People are busy. They have higher priorities. And so yeah. anything we can do to make it easier, make it more seamless or whatnot, we're trying to do um, because yeah, people got a lot of stuff going on. And even though it's not that difficult to switch, you know, the easier we can make it, the more likely they are and the more likely they'd be to support independent bookstores. For sure. And people are also used to things that sometimes when you try to like just say, oh, maybe you could do this. Oh, no, I already have this. I already do this. So I'm fine. Because yeah, as yeah. soon as you start explaining the steps and it's not like super straightforward. It's not crazy. Yeah, easy. so for sure. Exactly. And now I got I got one question and it's uh -huh. I'm being very selfish because it's, <laughs> for me, it's something that I came across um, and that I would like to ask, why did you get rid of the one month gift? Because you used to have a one three. Yes. I think it was one three twelve or one three six twelve. Yeah. And I, I used to use that to buy for myself, but also to gift friends. And yes. then uh, when I went to gift a friend the last time, you only had the three. And I was like, oh, this is a bit more expensive for a gift yeah. than I expected. <laughs> yes. Uh, so that was actually, it was from the publishers. Uh, the publishers. Okay. So we, we have different rates uh, with the publishers that we pay them based off if someone buys an a la carte um, purchase or when someone buys a membership. They give us a better mm -hmm. rate if someone is buying a membership because that person is committing to buy multiple yeah, books. Well, uh, a one month gift is kind of like a one month membership, uh, but it's not a commitment to multiple books. So it doesn't really fall under that same category. So it was something uh, we 
we discussed with the publishers and they weren't comfortable with it, understandably so. Um, so we had to get rid of it. Um, but that said, we have a couple different things that can help alleviate the problem. It's not going to solve it completely, but you could still at any time gift a specific book to somebody. Yeah, so, sure. you know, if you know a specific title you want to give them, you can give that to them and you can give that to them with your credits if you have credits accumulated. I know sometimes it's nice to be able to say, hey, here, go buy any book, but that's yeah. that's one kind of workaround. The other thing that we're going to be rolling out soon is customizable um, numbers of, uh, we're going to call them gift or credit bundles. So you'll be able to say, okay, three, six, or 12, but you can also choose two or five or oh, okay. 24. So yeah. you'll be able to customize that a little bit more um, than you can now. So it's not a, it's not going to bring it back, but it's hopefully uh, makes it a little bit less painful. But yeah, that was just something we, you know, the publishers, publishers had to, they, they, they put their foot down on that one and we understand why that. that, no, that makes yeah, sense. I also understand it because obviously if you offer one book, then then it's it's more expensive than buying the credit, the credit, exactly. the gift, obviously. Yeah. Now that I get, uh, I was just kind of thinking, but going like from 15 to $45 is a very big step when you're yeah. gifting someone. But I understood, exactly. like I said, I understand. Yeah, <laughs> I just no, wanted I, it, to know if there were going to be any options for people who can actually, you know, gift that and, and just totally. be a, a more a, like a, a more affordable gift yeah yeah the you know when the 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 credit bundles come out you'll be able to do a two bundle which is 30 dollars, which is still more obviously it's double but it's not uh, as much as 45 and all that for sort of sure stuff. no yeah, yeah and it that that helps i think like that that little 15 dollar difference uh, difference definitely yeah. helps for sure yeah, it gives people um, more flexibility <laughs> i would also like to to talk about like the the work that uh, librafem is doing with indie bookstores how sure. how is librafem helping indies obviously the first thing we're doing is we're giving them another revenue stream uh, without Libro, there's really no way for independent bookstores to participate in audiobooks. Um, I, I mean, I'm sure there's still a few CDs selling, but uh, most people have kind of moved over to <laughs> digital audiobooks. And there's really no way for, for indies to participate in that. Um, and the audiobook market, it's not as big as the print book market or ebook market, obviously, but it's growing dramatically. It's growing 30% year over year over year. And so it's getting bigger. And especially as people are more used to long format podcasts and things of that nature, you know, they're getting used to, you know, um, audiobooks and everyone has an audiobook in their player and kids are now born with earbuds, basically. And so they're <laughs> kind of used to it. So that's that's the first thing we're doing is we're giving them another revenue stream. And um, some of our stores, the ones that are putting in, um, you know, more effort and uh, are more familiar or more comfortable with technology, are doing really, really well with it. Um, and so that's really exciting to see. That's, you know, at, at its foundation, that's the main thing is that financial support. But what we're really trying to do is we're trying to encourage more people to go support independent bookstores and to help independent bookstores remain viable in this world of Amazon and, and convenience and all these big things. And to really showcase the community aspect of independent bookstores, the curation aspect of going in and talking to a bookseller or going to their website and hearing from the booksellers and seeing their staff picks and really trying to promote that um, and just get people reading more and more. And so anything we can do to that, any way we can help independent bookstores um, get in front of their customers, get more familiar with technology, promote books in maybe a different and unique way, um, we're trying to do that. So I'd, I'd say that's kind of the, the key to what we're trying to achieve. And what is the work process with indie bookstores like? And and this is more like in case any indie is listening to this and oh, yeah, would like yeah, to yeah, collaborate. Course. Yeah. So um, first and foremost, what we we want all independent bookstores to know is it costs nothing to work with us. Okay. So you're never going to write us a check. It's never going to cost you anything to work with us. Um, the process to become a partner is super easy. You go to our website. There's a little become a you know bookstore partner link. There's a short little application you fill out. And um, it's not really so much an application, it's more of a submittal um, where we get some information, you get your logo, find out where you're at, all that sort of stuff. And then we create your storefront and usually we'll have you up and selling audiobooks within a few days. And when a customer comes through Libro and they choose to support your store or they come through your website and are associated with your store, um, 
when they make purchases, you get a little portion of that um, of that portion, <laughs> a portion <laughs> of that purchase, uh, um, be it a la carte or be it monthly membership or whatnot. That's really it. There, there's very little work for independent bookstores to sign up with us. There's, like I said, no money. The way we view it is they're our marketing team. They're out there talking to customers and helping sell books. And the better they do, the better we do. Um, so we don't charge them at all for it. Now, some bookstores just choose to offer it and they put no effort into it because they're busy with a million other things. And that's mm -hmm. fine. And they, you know, they'll get a little bit of income from it. Our stores that are more comfortable with technology and really put some effort into it can actually see some pretty decent returns and make some decent reoccurring money off that. Um, but we don't have any sort of limitations for stores. They can put as much effort or as little effort into it as they want. Um, we make a lot of materials available to them um, for free, you know, posters and bookmarks and things of that nature to help them promote it. Um, if they want to go above and beyond, stores will contact us and say, hey, we have this really cool idea for X. And we'll be like, okay, let's see how we can do that together. And we'll partner with them and make that happen and whatnot. So. Great. So if, yeah, if any indie bookstore yeah, is listening. If you're <laughs> listening, uh, you know, reach out to us, shoot me an email or go onto our website. Um, independent, uh, or sorry, international stores. Um, now, you know, we're, we're going international right now. So don't hesitate to reach out to us and we can help you out. Great. And I would like to know um, a little bit about the audiobook habits at Libre FM, but I don't know if you know that, or so you can just talk about your own personal habits. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've talked a little bit about both those. So um, we're all book lovers, um, whether it's audiobooks or print books or whatnot, pretty much everyone on the team. That's kind of one of those cultural questions when we're hiring or interviewing anyone is you need to be a book lover. You don't necessarily need a book to be a bookseller. We have a number of booksellers on the team, but you need to love books. And um, so everyone on the, the team does. We're constantly in our Slack channel sharing different books that we're reading and, um, you know, having discussions about and so on and so forth. We are working on our own little podcast that's in the works right now to nice. talk about the sort of books that we're listening to, which is really fun. And um, a little staff picks playlist. I know I have my own Nick's picks playlist that I just kind of put the audiobooks that I recommend into. Um, I'd say most people on our team are like me, where we're kind of a mix between audiobooks and print books or, or mm -hmm. maybe ebooks. I'm probably 30% print, 70% audio. Um, I personally don't like ebooks myself because I stare at a screen all day, so I don't want to stare at a screen anymore. Um, there's nothing wrong with them. It's just not my cup of tea. Um, but yeah, we're all kind of, you know, we, we talk about books a lot. We have a DEI book group too, where okay. every two months we, uh, as a team, choose one specific book around diversity, equity, and inclusion, and we'll all read it and then we'll talk about it. I think we're reading Disability Visibility, yeah. I believe, yeah. Um, yeah. is the next one. And I think we have a, our, our group coming up in about a week or two. And so, you know, we, we definitely, books are not just helping sell and promote audiobooks, but reading and consuming audiobooks is a huge part of what we do. So you kind of have like your little book club within yeah. Libre FM. That's super cool. That's, that's it. Yeah, that's exactly it. So it's fun. And uh, do you have a favorite audiobook or actually both and a favorite narrator? <laughs> oh, I both. Okay. So as I'm sure you know, that's an extremely hard question because For I have sure. so many Obviously. different audiobooks. I'll start with narrators. Um, I have a bunch of narrators I really like. One of uh, a few of which are an author, are also authors. So Neil Gaiman or Gaiman, I think I would say that wrong. Uh, I love his books and I love his voice. And his narration I think is amazing. Stephen Fry, the British actor, also his Greek series and his voice I absolutely love. Um, Eduardo Ballerini, I think is an amazing narrator. Um, I love his books. He did. Uh, just Walter's Beautiful Ruins, which was just absolutely fantastic. And then recently I just finished Nick Offerman's Where the Deer and Antelope Play. And I realize I'm picking all actors right now. <laughs> I like, there's lots of great narrators who aren't um, actual actors too, but uh, I, for some reason, maybe that's just what's on my mind. In terms of favorite books, I remember the first audiobook I ever listened to, which I still think is a great introduction to audiobooks for a lot of people and it's ready player one mm -hmm. that came out a number of years ago was turned into a not that great movie 
but the book itself and the audiobook are fantastic. Um, that was the first book that kind of really introduced me to audiobooks. It's narrated by Will Wheaton, and it was super fun and enjoyable. So that's what I always go to. I'm trying to think what would be another favorite. I really liked uh, All the Light We Cannot See mm-hmm. by Anthony Doerr. Um, that was just an amazing book and an amazing audiobook. I don't know. There's a lot. I, there's so many. <laughs> it's curious because I, I asked this, this question, but I don't memorize almost anyone's like any narrator because I'm listening to uh-huh. it sometimes I I actually recognize uh the voice I should yeah. last week I was listening to to a book that was by Nina LaCour and it gave me such a vibe of um uh, like uh, Taylor Jason oh I forgot her name Ta- from Evelyn uh, the 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 seven husbands of Evelyn yes, Hugo. Uh, Taylor Jenkins, Jenkins Reid that's yes. that's a long name yeah. <laughs> and because it was the same narrator and I start I started think listening to it and I was like why am I getting <laughs> Malibu rising vibes and then I realized uh-huh. it's exactly the same person narrating but then I'm terrible with names <laughs> oh yes yeah I, I do a pretty good job with the narrations maybe because I just or the narrators because I have to type out their names so often or whatnot. oh yeah um <laughs> trying to think was that julia whelan julia whelan's a pretty amazing um i could narrator. yeah because i'm kind of now I'm, i i love like i think my favorite favorite ever book that i've listened to was nothing to see here by kevin wilson oh. because the narrator uh-huh. kind of makes you forget that it's it's the same voice you're you're yes. actually visu- visualizing the people in front of you that that she's making the voice for even though she's not really making a voice for yeah and it's amazing that that's actually like so so good when when someone manages to do that but it's yeah it is julia willen you're absolutely yeah she, right. <laughs> she is pretty amazing um she's pretty prolific you see her in a lot of things um she uh she, i'm trying to think of, did she do Daisy Jones and the Six, because that is, I don't know if she was the narrator on that, but that is an amazing book. That's I, one that I forgot, but it should be at the top of my list. I haven't, I haven't listened to that one. I've listened to the 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 Seven Husbands, and then I've listened to Malibu, Ri- Malibu okay. Rising, and I I'm pretty certain that she is in both of them. So um, yeah, She's but it's good. it's so funny to kind of like you know the the book has kind of like that California vibe as well, and I'm like I'm yeah. getting this vibe. Why? And then like half an hour later, of course, it's, it's exactly the, the same the same narrator. <laughs> I just thought of one other narrator that she's probably my favorite if i had to pick anyone um jane entwistle she is a british uh british narrator and she narrates the voice of flavia de luce from the alan bradley series sweetness of the bottom of the pie or it's the flavia de luce series but the first book in the series is the sweetness at the bottom of the pie um the main character is this uh, at the beginning of the series an 11 year old um, young lady, British, kind of like a Sherlock Holmes-esque character, um, amazing book series, and Jane Entwistle, the narrator, just kills it. It's so good, and it's so fun, and I love her voice. In fact, my cat is named Flavia after that character <laughs> oh, at home. really? Wow. Um, yeah, so so I, I absolutely love her narration. And it's it's so amazing how you can actually get to understand the book better as well. Like oh, yeah. I'm listening to the Graveyard Book, also by Neil Gaiman, mm-hmm. so many times, and mm-hmm. the 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 magic. So I've read the other day that it's an audiobook is a little bit more like a movie than it is like a book imprint in a mm-hmm. sense. And it's so true because the story comes to life in such an amazing way with the the narration. Well, it's it's interesting because the narrator can make or break. There are no, definitely some sure. books where the narrator, yeah. I did not think, did any any favors to the book itself. No, for sure. But one of I remember I did this experiment. Um, one of the the first science fiction books I ever read, which I'm a big science fiction fan, and I didn't used to be. I used to look down on science fiction. I thought it was kind of silly. Um, and then a friend of mine was like, "No, you, th- this was prior to Libra. This is before I was in the book industry." And a friend of mine was like, "No, you." give it a, give it a try and I was like fine and so he gave me this book called Armor by I think it's John Steakley it came out in the mid 80s and he's like read this and I was like okay so I read it and I loved it absolutely loved it um I wouldn't call it science fiction though I started calling it super fiction as a joke because I just couldn't quite get myself to read science fiction but I love <laughs> this book 
introduced me to science fiction. I started reading a lot of science fiction. So now, uh, you know, 10 years later, we start Libro. And I was like, I wonder what it would be like to listen to the same book I've read and see if it's a different experience. And so I did. I listened to it. It is a fantastic audiobook, um, but it was definitely different than when I read it in print. You know, I had this sense of what the characters sounded like and what they looked like and how the, they their intonation and so on and so forth. And the narrator took it in a different direction than I would have, but it was arguably better than what I than what I did. And it was really interesting because it made me appreciate the book that much more in, in these two different formats, which was a really fun experience. And it's really great when the, the author is reading because then you kind of figure out what, what he actually wanted, meant. Yeah. And I, with the graveyard book, I found that I read the book and there were scenes in which I thought, oh, I thought the character was the intonation. They were saying uh -huh. this was quite different from what he is reading, but he wrote it. He knows. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, it's, yeah, it's amazing. Some, some authors obviously can't and shouldn't read their own books. No, you know, I should, I should not read a book if I wrote it. I shouldn't write a book <laughs> either, but, um, but some authors, Neil Gaiman is a perfect example, where they are such an amazing voice talent in addition to uh, a writer that listening to them read it is just such a, such a joy. Yeah, it's a whole experience for sure. Now, what's in the future for Libre FM? Any concrete plans besides yeah, well, what we already stuff, spoke? <laughs> yeah, some of the stuff we've already talked about. I mean, the biggest <laughs> thing for us, uh, besides some of the technical things like different membership options and, and whatnot, is really just trying to grow um, our footprint internationally and get more bookstores that we can support and give more people the ability to support their local bookstore, regardless of if they live in the States or whatnot. Um, we have a pretty good foundation built. We have a, a product we're really excited about um, and people seem, seem happy about. There's lots of improvements we're gonna to continue to make to the websites, the apps and all that, which that stuff's important, but that's not really, the goal. The goal for us is to keep supporting independent bookstores, support as many as we can, um, and do as much, you know, much along those lines as we can. So that's that's really where we're going. Now, this is the last question of the podcast. What I would say, usually I say it's the most complicated, but in this case, I already asked a very difficult one. So it's the second most complicated, an okay. all-time favorite book, and a book you would recommend right now. And it can be more than one. Just, I always give that that space for people because I know how difficult it is. Of course. So the book I would recommend right now, and this is maybe because I just finished it less than 10 hours ago, was <laughs> Blacktop Wasteland by S.A. Crosby. Um, it was just a fantastic book. It was a thriller. It had me on the edge of my seat staying up way too late, um, which was, you know, it was enjoyable, but I'm a little bit tired this morning because of it. Um, <laughs> A book that I always tend to recommend um, is a business book of all things. I, I kind of read all over the place. Um, Let My People Go Surfing. It was written by the founder of Patagonia, Yvon Chouinard. And it is a approach to running a business that is very unique and very um, person-centric and doing good and treating the environment correctly. and. It's something that we've tried to do a lot at Libro, um, a lot of its principles among a few other books. And so um, that's a book that I always recommend to people, whether you read it or listen to it or whatnot. I think it's just a good, you know, if you're entrepreneurial at all, like I obviously am, and you're thinking of starting a business, it's, it gives you a good, really good kind of foundation. And then I'm sure this is frequency bias right now because these are books that I've finished recently, but I really like Nick Offerman's books and his um, most recent one, Where the Deer and Antelope Roam. Partly it's a fun story. He's talking about music. He's talking about books. He's talking, George Saunders plays a big part of um, character in his book. But also it's very timely and it talks a lot about what's going on in the world right now. And, um, or at least six months ago, a year ago. And I find I have a very similar view to a lot of it that he does, but he can express it much more eloquently than I can. <laughs> And so it's nice to hear someone be able to verbalize what I feel, but in a way that doesn't sound idiotic. So, um, <laughs> yeah. So, and it's, it, I always, when I finish his books, he's just got such a, um, it, it leaves me feeling uplifted, which I, I find I need a lot of that. 
thank you for the recommendations. I'll be sure to leave everything in the show's notes. And thank you for coming to the podcast. It was great talking to you. This was great. It was so much fun. Thank you. And thanks for what you're doing and talking about books and spreading the word. I just think it's so fantastic and promoting authors and everything. I just think it's, it's great. Yeah, thank you. Thank so. you. <laughs> You can access today's show's notes via my pod page, which you can find along with all of my social media links at linktree slash Karina Pereira. If you have enjoyed this episode, please consider supporting A Story of Sorts on Patreon. Patreon is a platform which allows you to contribute monthly to the podcast in exchange for extra content, such as early access to episodes, a shout-out at the end of an episode and on Instagram, and choosing a theme for me to talk about on the podcast. You can become a patron at patreon.com slash astoryofsorts. Leaving a review would also be highly appreciated. Don't forget to subscribe to get a notification when the next episode hits. I'll talk to you then, and thank you for listening.